Welcome to the Recharge Your Life podcast with me, Dr. Carrie Ulrich and Kelly Gunther. We are thrilled to talk to people who have made a decision that recharged their lives. Often, they pushed themselves out of their comfort zone and took risks. We want to know about that decision point, why did they make that decision, and most importantly, how can we learn from them? Kelly and I are passionate HR professionals, and together we co-founded our HR consulting firm, Abracci Group. We have talked to amazing people throughout our careers and listened to them as they made decisions that changed their lives and knew that these inspirational stories would help others. And why did we call it Recharge? It's based on a book I co-authored called The Way of the HR Warrior. And in it, we have a leadership model, CHARGE, which stands for courage, humility, accuracy, resiliency, goal-oriented, and exemplary. We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly. We're so honored to have Tony Battaglia as our very special guest. Tony is the president and COO of Excel, one of the nation's leading providers of educational solutions to youth-serving organizations. He began his career at Excel in 2007 and is responsible for the product development, sales, service, support functions, and infrastructure in the delivery of Bellexcel's renowned and evidence-based educational solutions. During Tony's tenure, Bellexcel has grown by over 450% and navigated through numerous pivots of the business model, ranging from a direct serve to a licensing model, and now launching an all-in-one enterprise solution which will permit Bellexcel partners to deliver their youth-serving programs with much greater efficiency and cost-effectiveness. Tony joined Bellexcel after 18 years at Arch Wireless, the nation's leading provider of wireless messaging and paging services. Tony was a member of the startup team that grew Arch from its venture capital beginnings to $1.4 billion in revenue. Tony held several key positions, from corporate controller to president of the company's $450 million Northern Division with over 3,000 employees. Tony has a BS in uh, business administration from Boston College and an MBA in finance from Ohio University. Tony resides in Bedford, Massachusetts, which is just outside of Boston, with his wife and two daughters. Tony, we're so excited to have you on our podcast. We always like to start by asking what show podcast, book, or blog do you go to when you want to push yourself and expand your thinking? Okay. Hi, Kelly. Thank you very much for for inviting me here today. Um, Honestly, over the years, I've built up a reservoir of of go-tos, such as uh, Covey's First Things First, uh, Warren Bennis's Leaders, Sharan's Know-How. But my real go-to is an NPR podcast, ironically a podcast, uh, hosted by uh, Guy Raz. Um, called how I how I built this. Um, it had back, has backgrounds on Mark Cuban, Bushnell with Atari, Kelleher at Southwest Airlines, and even a nonprofit leader Wendy Wendy Cop from Teach for America. And the, the the podcasts are extremely inspiring and very applicable for uh, many business situations, especially uh, for me right now. We're we're going into a SaaS environment. Um, with this enterprise solution that you mentioned. And um, it really uh, has given me great thoughts on how we can uh, make that a better a better product for the future. Hi, Tony. Thank you so much for joining us. You're one of my favorite COOs that I know. So 
Thank you, Tony. What I've heard about this, how I built this, I haven't listened to it yet, but I know it's been on a couple lists of, you know, for sure, listen to this podcast. What are some of the best nuggets from that podcast that you've gotten? I'm putting you on the spot. No um, but what do, what do you think? Like, oh man, this kind of changed what I was, how I was thinking about things. Um, so it's interesting you, you say that because, uh, and I'm not trying to correlate this, but I will correlate this into your charge. Um, uh, thanks, Tony. <laughs> by the way, hi, Carrie. Hello. Thank you again. Also, um, but you know, I think when you think when you when you look at what these leaders have gone through, uh, I'll give the example of Atari Bushnell at Atari, where he, um, you know, had Steve Jobs working for him, mm. uh, and didn't Steve Jobs tried to get him to make an investment, a fifty thousand dollar investment. And, and he was doing quite well with his organization, with, with Atari. Um, thought th- thought highly of Steve Jobs, but just didn't think he should um, maybe go down that path. And we all know what happened with Steve mm-hmm. Jobs. And then uh, he grew the he grew Atari to be, you know, a, a huge organization. And they started Chuck E. Cheese's. Um, oh. And he ended up selling Atari. Um, I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. It's I think I don't know whether it was MGM or Mattel. Maybe it was what it was. Okay. I think a toy company. Anyway, he ended up selling, uh, and and they ended up having him keep Chuck E. Cheese's, and he turned Chuck E. Cheese's into a huge uh, organization, um, and still had all the money uh, from the sale uh, to from from a sellout. Um, so they have a lot of perseverance. They have a lot of yeah. courage. You know, and and you know, they, they're just doing it in a fashion that, wow, they really trudged through that. Mm-hmm. Wendy Kopp went to, when she was at Teacher America, went to Ross Perot. That was her last, her last chance to get funding. Wow. And now, now you look at uh, Teacher America and it's, it's several hundred million dollar nonprofit uh, with several organizations. They have Teach for the World or whatever their other subsidiaries are. But, um, so there's just a lot in there, and it's inspiring. And then there's thought-provoking things that you get from them as to what they did, like Mark Cuban and what he did to make something happen for his organization, how he turned yeah. it around. I think it's so easy, too, Tony. You bring up this, you know, that for Teach for America, the last, first of all, it's Ross Perot, great blast from the past. And But the fact is we tend to just see the success and forget or just don't know the story of how hard it was to get there. That Teach for America, you're like, oh, that was a great idea. And it, probably everyone saw it right away. No, they didn't. And she, that perseverance and that resilience of keep moving and try again. And before the podcast, Tony, Kelly and I were talking about how's business going? And just A, we're so happy we stayed in business through 2020 but also the things that we had to change and, and persevere and just be resilient. And it's so important. And we tend to forget how hard things are and how long things take, especially instant gratification, right? You're like, oh, we want it to change right away, which I'm guilty of. Uh, Tony, so what is a decision that you made that changed the trajectory of your life? And also, what are some of those charge qualities that you use to help you make that decision? Okay. So um, hopefully I'm not going to uh, do a little turn on you, but uh, there were really two. Good. One, one's going to be a short tidbit that leads to the other. Okay. 
Um, and I was with a, I uh, started my career with, with a Fortune 500. It was one of the leading architectural engineering firms in the world. And after about seven or eight years, they were going to fast track me into the treasury side of the organization. And I, you know, they, I was really sort of despondent because they were making some decisions that I really thought weren't good for the future of the organization. And so I said, you know, maybe I should join a, a startup company. So I joined uh, Arch Wireless and Kelly described all the things that took place with Arch Wireless. Um, and it was a it was a phenomenal decision for me because I just learned so much and became a leader um, and and learned from leaders. I learned from phenomenal people. Um, and I was now at a point after after 20 years, we were selling the company and I was faced up with a decision again. Um, and I, I thought, okay, well, um, I want to get back into a startup. And I was shadowing a CEO in, uh, in New York City, uh, but my family was sort of landlocked in the Boston area. There was no way I was going to make that change take place. Um, and I really didn't want to be in the New York City area, but I was, you know, sort of shadowing him. He was a startup uh, cellular wireless application, uh, security application. And we had a long talk and, he, and she said, you know, uh, I know somebody at a, uh, on the board of a nonprofit that's looking to grow and you want to grow a company. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got introduced to Bell Excel 20 years later. But what was really interesting is I was really perseverating over this decision. This was not an easy decision because I'm going from the for-profit sector to a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going from managing, you know, 3,000 people to, you know, 25, 30. Um, and at, at Arch, our mantra was to grow shareholder wealth. And as part of that shareholder wealth, you know, you're, you're an employee, but you're also, you know, a shareholder. And so it's, it's a more lucrative, you know, the, the, the for-profit sector is more lucrative. But after deciding, you know, that maybe this is the best route for me to go, I called up our our former CEO, and we were having a conversation. And I said, you know, we had our mantra about growing shareholder wealth, but honestly, this has given me an opportunity to grow the wealth into the community. Mm. And uh, I want to, I, I think I want to take that shot. And he says, well, if you're going to do it, do it for two or three years, or you'll never get back in the for-profit sector. And so here I am almost uh, 14, well, 15 years <laughs> later, uh, and I never regretted a moment of that decision. Mm. It's really allowed me to see children that didn't have a chance get a chance. And there can't be anything more rewarding than that. Uh, yes, you have to maintain a lifestyle, but you know, you have to, if you do things right, um, you'll get that in the same time frame. Mm. Tony, go go back to when you decided to leave the Fortune 500. And go to Arch Wireless, and you said, I didn't really like the future decisions. How hard was that? Because a lot of times, you know, especially going to college and getting your business degree, it's so amazing to go to a Fortune 500 company, and you don't want to leave that for your career. And yet you're like, no, I'm going to take this risk and go to a startup. What was that like? Was that a hard decision? Or, 
you were younger and more right. and more of a risk. Say, to be, yeah, to be quite <laughs> frank, um, there were there were three or four things that allowed me to um, have more conf- have confidence in this decision. Uh-huh. Um, first is you know I I saw people that were in an organization that really weren't growing individually and co- professionally because the organization was making decisions that they eventually went bankrupt because of some of these decisions. Ah, okay. So they were making decisions that really weren't going in the right path of the future, I thought. And I didn't see these people. I saw them move in their compensation and they moved in, in terms of uh, a role, a title, uh, but they really didn't take on more challenge in their career. So I saw that happening. It was sort of stagnant, you might say. Uh, the, one, one of the guys I worked with said the salute of the organization is the shrug of the shoulder. Um, so I, uh, I, the, the startup had three uh, well-funded uh, founders. And, I mean, they were, they were, they were worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and I said, okay, if they have this money, they must really feel confident about Mm -hmm. what this company can do. Yeah. And then the third piece was, well, there's really one other piece. The the third one was one of the co-founders was brilliant and his business plan was just, it was just an incredible business plan. And we played it out. We, 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 we did everything exactly as it was laid out for 15 years. And it was just amazing. Um, And then the final thing, you mentioned this, but uh, the decision with Bell Excel was much more challenging than the decision then because um, I didn't have a family. Um, I was young in my career. Uh, The the market was fine. The job market was fine. Or if it it didn't make it, um, you know, there was going to be other things that were going to be happening. Um, so I guess I, you know, I didn't have any commitments, financial commitments, no home, nothing along those lines, mm-hmm. just a car and was paid. So, so I was, you know, uh, I, I was, I was comfortable in that decision. Whereas, you know, the decision I made with Bell Excel, you know, the, it took a lot of courage. If you look at your charge, I, I to me, courage was a big part of it because, um, it was, you know, didn't have the lucrative aspects about it. Um, and it was going into an organization that all the team, the entire team had a nonprofit mentality mm-hmm. and, uh, the board and the, and the senior leader at the time wanted to change that mentality. Um, and that was, you know, to me, uh, to go in there you got to love the opportunity, but you've got these people looking at you cross-eyed every day. Um, you know, it takes a lot of, you know, a lot of determination to stick with it. And we have a board member that said there's, you know, there's no mission without a margin. And there was no margin in this organization in the beginning. Uh, and today, most funders want you to be financially stable. Uh, and fortunately, today, we're a very financially stable organization. And it took a lot of that perseverance and courage, I think, to drive that through. Yeah. Uh, I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying I just think you need to be that rock to make that happen. 
Listen, it's not, we invited you on the podcast to listen to your story. It's not bragging at all. Mr. I grew the business 450% at Arch. But anyway, uh, which I love that number. One day I want that number by my name too. Um, what, but I want to go, the, what I really appreciate about your kind of the, the courage too is when you talked about the decision to go to Arch, it was a very calculated risk. Like you really thought about, you looked at all these data points. So instead of just jumping in without analyzing the situation, analyzing the pool depth or right, the, how cold or warm the water is, you really are like, okay, I looked at the funders. I looked at this. Like you really are very calculated in taking that risk. So you have this courage, but that's not, you don't do it in a vacuum. And what was, when you were talking about the Bell Excel decision, you said that you talked to other people and you talked to your previous CEO and you really thought about it. So these decisions don't have to be made quickly. You can still be a risk taker, but you can be a very calculated risk taker. And it sounds like that has served you very well to be very calculating and, and, and think through every scenario. Absolutely. I think that's, I, I, you know, especially decisions like this, but, you know, day-to-day business decisions, you know, I really think you have to, not just scratch the surface. You really have to do a deep dive, assess all the risk, um, consult with others, consult with those that, that have been through it, consult with those that maybe want to go through it because mm-hmm. um, they may bring up something. There's a risk there that you didn't think about. I mean, I would say that, you know, when I joined Bell Excel, I planned for quite a few things, but I didn't necessarily plan for a great recession to happen. Um, no one really does (laughs) who plans for that but but uh yeah but the the reality is is going through that great recession um it had an impact uh on the fact that we were able to navigate the organization and the team through such a challenging time and um you know we were prepared for whatever could come next because of that experience of going through that challenge and Little did we expect COVID to take place mm-hmm. next. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think um, you definitely have to assess your decisions to the depth. The more important decision, the deeper dive you have to do. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so good because you're right. You Again, you can still make decisions quickly because I think sometimes people equate doing an analysis, which it takes too long. Oh, I don't have that kind of time. I got to make a decision. You can still make it quickly, but you can go, you can gather data, you can talk to people, you can you can gather as much data as you need, um, but you can still do it quickly and make a good sound decision. I appreciate that, Tony, about you. What, Tony, what, um, for, I think we have a lot of listeners who kind of can be in corporate and think about making a change to maybe nonprofit. And what are some of maybe the top two or three things, Tony, that you would say to someone Oh, be prepared for this. Would you change from a for-profit to a nonprofit? What are mm. some of the things that you smile about and reflect on in your now 14 years? Right. Yeah. Well, the, one of the very first things that um, dawned on me uh, in the beginning, uh, especially as we were fundraising for you know some of the future pivots we wanted to take, is that um, results matter in both nonprofit and profit organizations. Mm-hmm. But when you, you have lackluster results in a for-profit and people really believe in the fact that the investment they made 
they're going to get a return off of it. They tend to put more investment in because of it. Whereas what I've noticed in a nonprofit, if you start lacking in getting results, there's a real question as to should I really continue to make this investment in 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 the in the organization? And you have to sell your organization even greater at that point if that's the case than might what might happen in a for-profit. I mean, we had several rounds. We actually went public and at Arch, and we had several rounds of of uh, of stock uh, uh, IP, not IPOs, but rounds of stock uh, uh, roadshows. Mm-hmm. And you know, they were following off of some potentially some poor quarters. But then all of a sudden, we'd be bouncing back, and there would be more investment coming in from it. But um, so I think that, and I also think probably. One of the most important parts, especially if you're going from a for-profit to a non-profit, is ensuring you can really surround yourself with talent, that um, that, that talent is humble at the same time because they're mission-oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's there's no room for someone being cutthroat in the non-profit sector. I mean, you just, if they are, they, they're not going to last long. Um, but... You have to have that talent. And that's what, you know, today we're, we're very fortunate. We have a, we have a phenomenally talented team. I know you met the team in the past, but, mm-hmm. but the team today is even enhanced more. Even those that were there with the organization then are much more talented and doing diverse type of activities than what they used to do in the past. And so being able to have talent that you can grow, being able to have talent that, um, that can really uh, help the organization achieve its objectives but at the same time, having that sense of, uh, of humility. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, at, at Bell Excel, we've had to make a lot of bold decisions. Um, and being able to gut check yourself with those bold decisions with your team, because just because you're thinking this is the way it's got to be, you know, the team really has to really get their input in on it because it might enhance that decision, might change an approach. Um, but that, that boldness is really allowing you to get to greatness. And so, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think by, by having yourself surrounded by talent and you allow them to take on these bold decisions, I think you, you know, Greatness will rise from that process. So I, those would be areas that, to me, is very important. And what I like what you're talking about too, Tony, which I know you've done, is sometimes I think people can lower their talent bar at a mission-driven organization at times and say, well, it's for the mission and I know the performance isn't quite there, but they really care about children. And so, and, and so you can sometimes kind of lower that and you have done you have held, you and the leadership team have held that bar high on, no, you have to perform and be humble and care about the mission. And so it's a very performance-driven organization um, while still serving the good of the community and, and children. And I think you can do both and it's it's tough to do, but you, I think you have proven that you can do it. And so yes, that talent's really important. I, I, I asked an extra question. So I hope, did I steal your actions 
for later? Or do you have, do you have, usually we ask what are the top kind of two or three actions you have for our listeners to take? I'm parlaying those into those. I know. See, I I was like, oh, Tony's so good. (laughs) I can can come up with, uh, I can come up with some more. (laughs) No, that's okay, Tony. Sometimes, you know, I like to go on the fly. And so I'm like, oh, I'm going to ask about nonprofit. And then I thought, Tony, those sound really good. I'm like, I betcha he took the the actions that we usually ask for. Is there anything else, any other actions you have, Tony? Um, so, uh, you know, I think the, you know, when I look at your, you know, the charge yeah. aspects of this, this, in this nonprofit sector, resiliency is a real big one. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, this past year, uh We'll look at uh, what took place in in COVID, and Bell Excel was serving. Uh, we call those the student scholars, but we were serving scholars in person, and our model was evidence based is as evidence based and has had tremendous success, and it's allowed us to be who we are today. Um, and then all of a sudden. Uh, schools are closed. Mm-hmm. YMCA's are closed. Uh, community-based organizations aren't able to provide the same services that they provided before. And uh, our leadership team uh, had a vision. Um, you've you've met um, Lauren Lauren Gilbert. She's our CEO, and she had a vision that we could start with a remote model. Uh, and that remote model. Uh, in a matter of seven weeks, was produced as a product that, we think in conjunction with a partner, Scholastic, that um, is getting rave. Re- we've got rave reviews this past summer. Uh, the educators that used it loved it, and it got, and it got results. So I think if you can be resilient and be hard enough fashioned in it and be dogged about it, you're always going to get those results. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that, Tony. And I think too, I know Kelly and I talked a lot this year with HR folks talking about you can either kind of ruminate in that, oh no, this is happening and I want to go back to the to the way things were and oh God, this is unprecedented and oh God, you know, and you're clutching your pearls the whole year. Or you can say, oh, all right, we got to figure out what to do. And, and exercise that resilience. And that's what you and the leadership team did because you could have spent those seven weeks, Tony, going, uh-oh, 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 and just kind of spinning your wheels. But instead, you all said, nope, let's figure out a new way to do it. This is how it's going to be. And Or you could have said stuff like, well, you know, I'm sure it'll be over with in a month and then we can go back to normal. And I know that Kelly and I try to coach, please stop saying unprecedented. Please stop saying new normal or back to normal. None of that language helps you. It doesn't help the situation. If I could just add one thing. um, Yes, please. So, uh, you know how there are so many uh, webinars on right now. I mean, there's webinars for webinars. Yes. Um, (laughs) How to have an effective webinar. (laughs) (laughs) And. Um, it was one of the first ones and actually Lauren was on with it uh, as well. And, and I, uh, I never forget this and you probably have heard it, but it stuck with me from the moment I heard it, which was back in, in, uh, mid March, um, during the great recession, there was a, an economist who, uh, basically had this 
he made this comment to his uh, to his constituents: "A crisis is a terrible thing to waste." Yes, I love and that. I think if you look at it that way, um, yep. that's how you that's how you become resilient and make it work. Hundred percent. I. I love that one. In fact, we used it and in a webinar just a few months ago, and I think it was a Stanford economist um, who said something along those lines that, that said that. that a crisis, You're right. Yeah, that a crisis is a terrible opportunity to waste. And it is, it's perfect. So I know, Kelly, this is near and dear to your heart of just not only performance based, because Kelly's all about performance, but also helping the community and being resilient and pivoting and a female CEO as well, um, which is lovely. So Kelly, what are your, your closing thoughts with Tony? I thought you were going to say that's in my wheelhouse, meaning crisis is in my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I thought I was headed. I'm like, oh my gosh, well, well, crazy myself. <laughs> crisis is it? Crisis chainsaws. There's chainsaws going around, mm-hmm. Kelly. Uh, there's a, a chainsaw killer, but no, no, no. She's just there's trees being chopped down in Kelly's house, so we're making sure she's okay. Um, no, crisis is not your wheelhouse, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> but so many great things that you shared. Tony. And and what really resonated with me is that gut instinct, um, in part because you mentioned when we first started talking that you had this gut instinct when the architecture firm said suggested that you move to that treasurer position, you had a gut feeling that that maybe wasn't the right thing for you. And to listen to your gut instinct, because rarely is it off. It's there for a reason. It serves us for a purpose. And that you listen to it speaks volumes about the 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 um, advice that you're you're giving to our audience today because I do agree with that. I've listened to my gut instinct um, so often, and uh, it's allowed me to make decisions that were in my best interest. So I, I happen to really love that one. And having worked in a nonprofit not nearly as long as you you did, uh, you have Tony. Um, it is a very different animal, um, and you really have to believe in the mission that it is, uh, it is driving toward and it is working to accomplish. Because if you don't, and you're maybe someone who comes from a for-profit world, it can be a very difficult road to, to go down. So um, that you are successful, that you are able to truly find how it would best work for you so that it aligned to your value system, but that it also aligned to the goals that you wanted to achieve for yourself personally and professionally um, is a great story. And for anyone, I think, who is going through a situation where they're looking to maybe make a change a, as drastic as that of moving from a for-profit to a nonprofit or making a change in a career that's very um, opposite of what you would maybe normally go for, um, this is great inspiration for, for all of us. So thank you so much, Tony, for, for sharing your story. Thank you. I appreciate uh, your comments there and uh... I appreciate you guys having me here today. It's been been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tony. And if you'd like to connect with Tony, we recommend you do so on LinkedIn. Um, and I will include all of the uh, handles for Tony's social media in our show notes. So you'll be able, able to easily access and uh, locate his contact information. As you can clearly see, he is someone that you definitely want to connect with and have a conversation um, with to learn more. So thank you again, Tony, for joining our podcast and for sharing your story. We really appreciate you. Appreciate it as well. Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abracigroup.com and follow us on social media. 
You can find us on LinkedIn at Abracci Group, Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at Warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you. Thank you.